0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our text is Luke 10, verses 31 and 32. By chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. This is our text. And boy, am I upset this time Jesus has gone too far. It's not enough that he reinterprets the law to make it so hard. But when he teaches, he uses a priest, clergy, as the bad guy. It's unfair. I see you smiling, but you're included too. You see, the Levites were the tribe that cared for the temple building. They assisted in the liturgy. They led the congregation, everything but the sacrifices. And, you know, they had to do all those other things, like repairing a demolished wall, uh, assisting in worship, paying the bills, replacing candles, starting to sound familiar. Are you still so smug? Look, when you do what's right, You're trying to lead a good life, and what's it get you? Being unfavorably compared to a Samaritan, that's what. The Samaritans were the ones left behind when the nation was carted off to Babylon in the 500s BC. They eventually intermarried with non-Jewish residents, and they were looked down on by the Jewish community. And yet, they had kept the uh, ancient prophecies intact down to Jesus' day. Some of them were still looking for the Messiah. And of course, now today, the church continues to bear the prophecies of God. But the way Jesus tells this story, I feel accused, and so should we all, whenever we read this part of Scripture, because Jesus told it to rebuke a man well-versed in the religious law, who wanted to justify himself. That is, to say, he was okay under God's law, which is why I had us all read, and who is my neighbor? Friends, we justify ourselves all the time. In my file, I'm found a a time when, uh, decades ago, I I happened to be driving along and there was this car where the gas had spilled out of a carburetor back then and was actually on fire. And I honestly thought, good Samaritan time. And I pulled over, got out my trusty fire extinguisher and put out the fire. And before the driver could ask who was that unmasked man, I rode off into the sunset. Well, actually, I was going east at the time, but you get the point. Boy, did I feel good about what I had done. I wanted to think of myself as one of the good guys. And frankly, I guess the reason that I helped that motorist was more to justify myself than to help him. And so the act as a result was as bad as the priest and the Levites passing by on the other side. One commentator mused that they were probably on their way to a, a meeting to discuss how to make Jerusalem Road safe for travelers. How much we do is not the point. My reasons for acting and how well I put out the fire, totally irrelevant. See, God placed me at the right time, right place, gave me that opportunity to help. You know, when when someone holds the door open for you, you don't get thanked for walking through that door. You thank the person holding the door open. And we go through life with our Lord opening doors of opportunity through which he enables us to walk. When we pat ourselves on the back, for doing that. We're sort of like the lawyer who asks, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And we can never do enough because, you see, we're imperfect. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. And that's why this word of law comes down on us so hard. We come closer to succeeding, we hear or at least think we do, while we're still failing. Take a look at that Old Testament reading again. It isn't just the Ten Commandments. You notice it's explaining what each of them means in daily living. For the vineyard owner, for example, God demands leaving something for the poor. But, you know, if that's heard only as more law, what's the sense in trying? I mean, if the law says you've got to swim ten laps before you can get on the team and you know very well that you're going to be tired after only five. You could try your best, but on the other t- hand, because this is such a law, you might consider not doing anything. And that makes the story doubly short, uh, unfair. It's, it's not fair to demand what we cannot do, and it's not fair to pick on those who are trying their best, or so we say. How do you deal with this sort of unfairness of this total law that you're supposed to keep? Well, face it, one way, one tactic we use is to unfairly put people into categories in which we tell ourselves, "Eh, we don't really have to stop to help them. The old adage once put into a cartoon strip is still true. I love mankind, It's people I can't stand. We can easily put uh, in the category of mankind. All the people. It's a catch-all that we can say we love. But we know there are people beyond our having to pay attention to them. We too easily leave some people for the government or some agency to take care of and we figuratively go on the other side, whatever is on our agenda. And you know, we wouldn't say them here on Sunday morning usually, the derogatory terms that we use, they're welfare cheats, they're illegal aliens, they're drug addicts, they're repeat offenders, and this goes on and on. The unspoken attitude is that they probably don't deserve our personal attention or help, though I'm sure you wouldn't want to admit that is true for you, as I wouldn't this morning either. Although we did just confess our sins. For me, there is a visual reminder of how we don't even see some people. Not long before we moved into the area, they made a huge interchange where routes 78 and 52 split. Before, as the map shows now, Piggly Wiggly and the other stores were right there on the highway, easy to get to. And now suddenly, people who wanted to shop at that strip mall had to get off down by Otranto Road at the bottom and take some local roads. If they were in a hurry to get to Goose Creek or to CSU, near where we live, those stores might as well not even exist. The stores didn't do anything to be shunned in this way. They just were suddenly off the highway. Now, I do want to go there frequently because that's where my barber shop is. I honestly don't know if they deserve my specific attention, or if they're just okay, which you're not supposed to settle for these days, according to at t Wireless. I go there because I've built up a relationship with those barbers over the years, and there's a clue in that relationship, in that realization. You see, there is another side to this protest. Jesus is not fair, he's merciful. We don't deserve, look at that, it changed. It should say mercy, okay? Okay. We don't deserve his attention. It's all by grace alone. And now he calls us to care for people around us, no matter if we think they deserve it, because he has done so much for us that we certainly didn't deserve. As the man who fell among the robbers did not deserve the risk the Samaritan took in stopping or the money that he spent to assure that medical care, so we have certainly not deserved our Lord to rescue us and pay for our deepest needs, we who are dead in trespasses and sin. Moreover, Jesus took a far greater risk than the Good Samaritan. In a book called the parable of the good bluebird, the fat cat, and the jitterbugs. An inner city pastor figured he could teach this parable to some kids who were really involved in, in gangs and, and around his street. So uh, he, he read the parable and then told them to retell it and act it out so they could make it personal. Well, one team was the fat cat, and he was the one who fell among the thieves. And after clergy and welfare leaders passed by on the other side, along came the good bluebird, Sergeant O'Mick. But when he tried to help the fat cat, the Jitterbug gang descended on him and killed him, right there beside the fat cat. And the pastor said, you killed the Samaritan? And the answer was, it's the chance he took our Lord took the chance knowing what would happen. His death, now that was unfair. And yet was the only way for us to have hope. Each of us has that hope because Christ established that personal relationship with us. Your sins, your personal sins, are forgiven. His resurrection now frees each one of us to be similarly unfair to the people around us. Here's the goal. Instead of saying, oh, I know Christians are supposed to love other people. I wonder who's around here that should be helped. That is, what must I do? Recognize what God has done. He has made you over to be a neighbor, helping others is being neighborly. That's all. Remember that old tiny value? There's a great example of people helping each other recently without anyone worrying about whether they were worthy of being helped or who could provide it. A couple of weeks ago, the dock in Shem Creek collapsed, fortunately, into shallow water. And those who could immediately started helping the others get out of the water They were all in or on the water, helping each other because they were in this situation together. And we are in God's kingdom because of water also, the water of our baptism. The big difference is that when we're being neighbors, whether the other people are in the kingdom or not really doesn't matter. If they're not, they just might think, if that's how people act in the church, that's where I want to be also. The people who are knocked off the dock had an obvious need. Help me get out of the water. But all around us are people whose needs are less obvious. They didn't have anything to eat yet today. They have escaped depression or poverty. They're trying to stay out of jail. Their bodies are craving an addiction of one sort or another. But you know, every so often, there's a crack in that facade, and their need is exposed. But their greatest need just might be for someone to love them. In the epistle, Paul writes to the church in Colossae that he's heard of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, how did Paul know about their faith and hope? There was a guy named Epaphras whom they had sent to be with Paul. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Paul and Apaphras weren't on the same road going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They weren't on the same collapsing dock. They were in the same prison. And one thing more, they were also in the same kingdom of God and route, as it were, to the inheritance of the saints in life. You know, when you're in that kingdom, again, as I said, that hurting person there before you, whether he or she is a citizen or an alien of the kingdom of God, whether already by his incorporation into the body of Christ through baptism is protected or is still at risk for all the assaults and uh, temptations of the devil, doesn't matter. No matter what category they find themselves in, none of them, Merits, second chances, rehabilitation, or the best construction put on their action, just as we do not either. But they and we all have one thing that we need, and we've got that realization of the grace of God, which can be active in love. So Paul, in commending the Christians in Colossae, encourages them to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What a great term. Bearing fruit and growing. And that image of fruit is really helpful because here we are in this global economy with our food coming from who knows where and especially our fruit. Uh, But if you don't use it, if you put it in the back of your fridge, you know what happens to it. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to use what God gives us, and we want to. What a great thing God has done for us in our daily living. He has taken all of us unworthy sinners, given us Christ's own worthiness, and opened doors through which we might walk to serve him and love the people around us. And case you haven't realized that the way God deals with us, which seems to be an unfair action. This sort of accuse everyone, especially those trying hardest, and show mercy to everyone, especially to those who quite evidently don't deserve it, is uncommonly fair to all of us. So go ahead. Share the uncommon fairness of God. Be a neighbor and show God's gracious love To one and all. In Jesus name. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Will keep your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. Amen.